Yeah, well, I started my personal brand, I guess about 16, 17 years ago, when or my job in the industry took a slight pivot. And for the first time, I was kind of forced to have to do some sales. And I'll save, save your audience the story of how stressful do learning how to do sales was. But it was really in those moments that I figured I have to do sales differently. I cannot do sales the way that you see those car salesmen and those other big successful salespeople do it. Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the Quiet and Strong podcast, especially for introverts. I'm your host, David Hall, and the creator of QuietAndStrong.com. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to understanding the strengths and needs of introverts. Introversion is not something to fix, but to be embraced. Normally, while there are each episode on a Monday, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. Leave a review. That would mean a lot to me. Tell a friend about the podcast and help get the word out there that introversion is a beautiful thing. Leanne Calderwood is a trainer and speaker and one of Canada's top voices in the meetings and events industry. A self-professed raging introvert and tea drinker, Leanne's content helps professionals shine quietly, harness their strengths, and create impact and influence in a noisy world. As a veteran meeting broker, Leanne has a unique perspective into both sides of a sales transaction. She shines a light on these best practices and helps professionals break through the clutter and stand out from their competition through her blog post, LinkedIn content, and digital courses. Leanne is a regular columnist for the Canadian Meetings and Events Expo and has been featured in numerous publications and podcasts. She was welcomed into the Canadian Meetings and Events Hall of Fame in 2023. All right. Well, welcome to the Quiet and Strong Podcast. Leanne, it's so nice to have you on today. It's great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity, David. All right, we're going to get into the great work you do, especially with branding and LinkedIn. But first, let's just hear a little bit more about you, your journey as an introvert to doing the work you do now and working with introverts too. Yeah, sure. Well, I've been um, hanging my hat actually in the meetings and events industry for 25 years. And it was about 20 years ago that my career took a slight pivot where I needed to do a bit more sales and actually finding clients. And I think it was really in that moment that I realized that one of these things is not like the other. My boss and mentor at the time, he was putting me through some cold call exercises, right? Those role plays that all salespeople do when they enter the industry. And not only did I cry, I literally cried right there in my boss's office. But the idea of doing that activity was so uncomfortable But yet every one of my colleagues, it was the easiest thing in the world for them to do. And David, I don't know about you, but I liken myself as an intelligent person. And yet I couldn't crack that nut as to why it was so uncomfortable for me to do that outward reach out. And that was kind of really where I knew I knew I was different, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And then learning that the way I did sales had to be done differently, too. And that, of course, that started, you know, my whole LinkedIn and personal branding journey. But it also brought awareness that introverts do do things differently. We do sales differently. 
But I think the first step that I took was just saying to myself, yeah, I, I guess I am different. I am doing things differently in a very extroverted industry. And, and I'm okay with that. It's everyone else who kind of looked at me that it wasn't okay, but I was okay with kind of that new direction in my life, knowing that I now kind of had this label that I was the introvert. I was the quieter one in the room. Yeah, that's great. And it's, that's what this show's all about. It's, we do things differently. We succeed differently. And for so many people that still not understood whether you are an introvert or you are extrovert, it's, and, but it's great. And that's how we find the most success is when we embrace who we are and we do things differently. I love how you put that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think you're right. I, I think introverts more than extroverts are pressured to be something that they're not because that's what society said that you should be. You know, you should be outgoing and you should be, you know, dancing on barroom tables and such. And and I'm not sure why we should be doing that, but we don't have to. And we can find success and we can find community in our own way. And so I found community now both with introverts and extroverts and that community and friendship is even different between the two, two different kinds of individuals. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I've never really thought about this in introvert extrovert, but I don't like role playing. I don't like to do pretend stuff and I don't, I don't know other introverts might be fine with it, but you know, I'd rather just kind of prepare mentally and, and I don't really want to practice on on an imaginary situation. (laughs) Well, and I think, and that's the thing with sales is you see a lot of these sales uh, trainings, they're doing improvisation and they're doing all this drama. And to your point, I think there's some introverts who are quite fine with those activities. But if you had to look at how many people are going to be comfortable with doing that improv and doing that, you know, those cold call scenarios, the extroverts are just going to thrive. They're going to think faster on their feet. And that's definitely one of their strengths is they can do things super, super quickly and they go with their gut instinct, et cetera. But as you know, David, us introverts, we need to kind of sit with something and almost let it simmer like a, you know, a good, a good pot of stew and kind of, we just got to get the most out of it by just letting it sit and ruminate with us for a while. And then we're able to formulate those responses. So improv, I think for me at least is quite difficult because it doesn't allow me that time to kind of think things through before I formulate my response. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's one of the big realizations I came to is sometimes it depends on the topic. I may be good at thinking on my feet if I've thought about something a lot, but in general, I'm going to do so much better in different situations where I've done some preparation and, and, you know, and I could be jealous of my extroverted friend that they don't have to do that. But I've just learned, hey, you know what? This is the way you're going to be brilliant by thinking ahead, preparing, whether it's that speech or presentation, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So how did you put a, how did you get to the, I'm an introvert? Like, was there any resources or how did you come to that? Well, and I think uh, a lot of us have taken those Myers-Briggs assessments where if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, there's kind of four different pillars. And that first pillar is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? And so every time I did Myers-Briggs, it always came back as the I, I-N-T-J is my assessment. And so that was kind of the first label that, okay, it here it is. I just took the test. 
And I consistently try and take this test to get a different result. And it's continually I, 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 introvert, introvert, introvert. But I think the, one of the things that we fail to do after we learn that we are that I, that introvert, is then dive into, you know, why are we an introvert and how does that manifest in our lives? And so that's really what I started doing in my 30s is, okay, now I've got the label, but what does that mean to me in practical terms? What does that mean for me when I step into a career role? And now fast forward another 20 years, what does that mean for me as, as a mom, as, as all of these other roles that I have to play in my life? So seeing how that manifests in your life is, I think, the one thing we don't do enough of. We're good with the label, but what does that mean in our day-to-day relationships with others? Yeah, and I'm a fellow INTJ, so that's probably oh, why yeah. we're having such a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's so important. I talk about this often. It's like, you have to get behind what, what is behind this label. And Myers-Briggs was key for me too. And just realizing, oh, there's certain things, but it also goes over some other ways where we differ, not just introversion, extroversion. And so that's really helpful to know. We're not all exactly the same, you know, Mm -hmm. as we get to know each other, we're definitely going to have some things in common, some differences, you know, we're probably going to have more things in common, both, you know, being the INTJs, you know, with, also being intuitive and being a thinking and analytical person and kind of organized, those kinds of things. And and there's going to be some differences along those lines too. Yeah. Well, and I think the one thing about the Myers-Briggs, and this is because it was created decades ago, and we've learned a lot now about introversion and extroversion, is introversion and extroversion isn't really a personality characteristic. It really is that energy temperament. And it's it's something that we had since we were born. Now, the other personality characteristics, those are things that can change throughout our life, right? I remember being a shy teenager. Well, I'm not shy anymore. So that's something that has changed in my life. But the introversion, that's something that's always been with me, even though it's only been the last 20 years where I've really dived into what it is. I've been it since the beginning. And I think when people start to look at it as this isn't something that you can change about yourself because it's not a personality characteristic. It's something that you were innately born with. And now we're just learning maybe how it manifests and how we deal with it. Yeah, we naturally turn inward. And yeah. we're deep, we're deep thinkers. Yeah. And that's not, it's not something that I chose. I have ch- chosen to embrace it, but we're deep thinkers and yes. extroverts naturally turn outward. And there's a lot that strengths, gifts, needs that come with that. And you brought up shyness. Introverts can be shy. Extroverts can be shy. Mm-hmm. For me, when I was shy, the key was understanding my introversion. Like, yeah. oh, I'm going to think before I speak in most often, I'm going to need some time to process my thoughts. So once I embraced all of those things, I realized, Hey, this is how you are and it's good. And so that's where my confidence really soared is embracing those things. And, you know, you can overcome shyness, but like you said, introversion is, is with you to, to stay. It is. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? So what's a strength or two you have because you're an introvert? Well, I think to your point, a lot of introverts do take that time to kind of ruminate on ideas. And, and I, I think that's one of my biggest strengths in my career is, you know, I'm able to kind of sit with an idea until 
the answer that I am ready to provide is fairly well thought out. And I, you know, and I'm behind the scenes putting stuff on whiteboards and trying to figure it out and almost puzzle, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think introverts really thrive in that environment is that problem solving that, you know, again, the rumination of ideas and then presenting something that I think looks a little bit more holistic than maybe some of our extroverted friends. I think the other strength that, that, uh, that I have is that attention to kind of detail and things that I notice that other people don't notice. And I didn't even realize that this was a very popular characteristic amongst introverts, but introverts actually notice things in the wild, right? So if my friend gets a new haircut or a hair color, I typically am the first one to notice it and comment on it. And, and, and I didn't even know that that was part of the introvert wheelhouse, but apparently that is our thing, David. So, so I've kind of used that as my strength as well to create connections with people is I will create connections by noticing something about them, which puts them at ease. It makes them feel seen and heard and, and acknowledged. So I think that's one of the strengths I bring into both new and existing relationships is the person on the other side of me feels seen and heard. And that's all because I'm an introvert. Yeah. And I definitely notice things because and one of the ways I think why we're noticing things is because we're always thinking, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, I notice like I pick up on maybe a different way of doing things that other people aren't talking about. And I'm noticing in that way, like, Hey, this doesn't look like it's working. Maybe here's a better way of doing that. Yeah, I love that strength about us. I mean, that's, I think, as a career professional now, I mean, that's one of our biggest strengths that we bring to our organizations is that filter. Yeah. So on the show, we talk about strengths and needs, some strategies for success, which we're going to get into. But but before we do that, we also bust myths. Is there a myth (laughs) or two about introversions you want to bust today? Oh, yeah. Well, my favorite one has to be that introverts are afraid of public speaking. Public speaking is one of the biggest fears in the world of everybody, introverts and extroverts alike. But yet we as introverts get labeled as people who are not good at public speaking. We're extremely nervous when we have to be a public speaker. I actually adore public speaking and I do not get nervous for whatever reason. I just didn't get that gene that said you got to have sweaty palms and buckling knees when you get up on a stage. I'm so completely natural on a stage. So that's a myth I like to bust because I think it holds per introverts back from actually doing it. I think introverts actually use that as a crutch to say, I'm not going to do presentations and I'm not going to you know, even speak in front of my colleagues at work, you know, because I'm an introvert. Well, let's get rid of that. It isn't about that moment that you're in presentation. It's what you do with yourself after that presentation is over. So I I get I'm not nervous public speaking, David, with if you have a podcast, you most certainly are not nervous, you know, public speaking as well. So I'm hopeful that other introverts will hear that message and kind of rethink how they position putting themselves out there because introverts can do it just as well as extroverts. Yeah. So was that always the case? You were never nervous? Never. I don't even know why. I was shy, but I could do public speaking. No problem. I don't know why. Just Okay. Because you're right. Now I'm not. 
I'm not nervous. And I still talk with people that do a lot of public speaking that say they still get nervous, but that's not the case for me. But part of all that was overcoming my shyness, like I mentioned before, understanding my introversion and just really understanding how I need to prepare, you know, Mm -hmm. that I'm going to need to really, you know, put together my initial thoughts. Here's what I'm going to speak about my outline and then let it roll around in my head long before the the speech comes. That's that's going to be my best preparation. I agree. I've been called to do some moderation work, which is a lot more mentally taxing on me than doing a presentation because in presentation mode, we have time to prepare. You've prepared for this podcast. So you're already kind of reducing that brain power that you need to, to, to do this podcast. You've prepared me for this podcast. So this is quite an easy activity. But if you were to throw a curveball question at me, I think my brain would have to work really hard to get an intelligent answer. And I know when I have to do moderation for some panels or whatever that is, I find I'm a lot more exhausted after those interactions than doing, let's say, a keynote or a breakout presentation. Yeah, Yeah, that's for sure. Preparation is definitely key. It is. Um, You've done public speaking. You probably hired a lot of public speakers. And I've heard quite often that many are introverts. Is that true? Absolutely true. In fact, the first time I heard of a public speaker being an introvert, and we're going back a couple decades, is the first time I heard Marcus Buckingham speak. Are you familiar with Marcus? He was I I love him. I'm a yeah. big fan <laughs> of his. And 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 we talked about the Myers Briggs. The other thing he started Strengths Quest about your strengths. strengths that was yeah. that those two things were pivotal for me. So I yeah, right. I'm a big fan. And you know, I've never heard him say he is introvert, but I I know I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he said it on the stage that I saw him at. He said that he was an introvert. And I was like, oh, because he's so well spoken, as you know, he's very successful, as we know, you know, successful authors, successful stage presence. And that's when I started to dive into like who else is introverted. And and I know we all throw out these, you know, grand grandiose names, but the one that's really sticking with me as of late is Michelle Obama is an introvert. Meryl Streep is an introvert. So I'm I'm now on the hunt for all of these incredible women who are introverted, but can command a room at the drop of a hat. And, And so when I learned that Michelle Obama was an introvert, as is her husband, Barack Obama, but that was really powerful for me. Because she commands such a presence in whatever room that she's in. And she doesn't have to do it by being the loudest person in the room. And that's the takeaway I take from people like Michelle Obama or Marcus Buckingham is you don't have to be loud to be heard. Yeah. And again, half of us are introverts. Mm -hmm. And just a lot of times people don't believe that number because they see some of the people that are even just, you know, people in their lives that are very confident, outspoken, but deep thinkers, which really is a strength, you know, being mm-hmm. able to be strategic and make some plans. And if you understand your, your introversion, you can be very confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I are very similar. And it's nice because I wasn't confident. As I've gone through this journey, it's been really nice to see her as an introvert. And she's always been confident. It's never been a struggle. And it was just really nice to see that comparison. And that's the case. A lot of people are just deep thinkers. 
you know, they need to often think before they speak. They need to prepare. They need some quiet time to get some work done. All of these things are, are strengths of introverts. And it was just nice to see, oh, okay, not everybody struggles. Um, some people that struggle, given the right information and some some good ideas, they can get better and, and have that confidence that they may be lacking. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you're you're married to an introvert, David. I'm also married to an introvert. But I'm curious, if you don't mind me asking a question of you, how are your kids? Are they introverts or extroverts or a bit of both? Yeah, so that was also one of my epiphanies. You know, again, Marcus Buckingham, in the instrument he designed, he doesn't talk about introversion, extroversion, although there's some elements in there, but that they're natural. About the same time I'm I'm doing this, you know, I have three kids, they're younger, and I have two extroverts, one introvert. We raised them the same, right? And I'm just realizing they come as their own person. They come naturally. This isn't because of me and my introverted wife, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they all have their own gifts. They're all brilliant, but they're, they all have their own different brilliant gifts. So that was one of my big epiphanies, too, that this is natural. And mm-hmm. it's not going to change. But again, you, you can definitely embrace it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I have two introverted sons. And you talk about that epiphany, watching my introverted sons navigate the world is how I kind of figure my mom watched me try to navigate the world. You know, both of my sons play competitive sports, they're on team sport teams, with all these extroverts, they're the quieter ones, right? And it doesn't mean that they're less or more skilled at that sport than the person standing right next to them. But they're not the ones that are hooping and hollering. And they're the ones that are kind of looking at the sport a bit differently. And so I I look at them now as and I have the conversations with them, which is something that I think our parents never really had with us. And, you know, call it lack of information or lack of even research around introversion and extroversion. But I'm actually now able to have conversations because they're teenagers and my actually my oldest is 20 now. I'm actually able to have conversations with them. And hopefully having these conversations, they're not going to feel that weird, wonky awkwardness that I felt. You know, I want them to feel empowered being quiet. I want them to feel empowered that at the end of the school day, they just want to go to their room and read or play a video game or whatever it is that they want to do after the the practice is over. So I'm hopeful that we're now raising a generation of people who feel so comfortable in their skin, whether it's an introverted skin or an extroverted skin. Yeah, that's the hope. And yeah, when we were kids, there was no talk about introversion, extroversion. Mm -hmm. My parents Mm -hmm. had no idea. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was part of it, too. It's like, here's the way everybody's supposed to be you know, and definitely, you know, there was some harm, harm there, but now things are better. I had a guest on recently, David Burroughs, and, you know, he's an introvert. He does a lot, puts a lot out there on LinkedIn and he's written a book. And then with his son, Joshua, introverted son, they wrote a book together, which I just thought was amazing, you know? And I'm just like, yeah, that's what, that's what needs to happen is the awareness needs to come much, much earlier and not much later in life. You know, I've I've heard all kinds of stories where, you know, we talked about being in our thirties, but I've heard of people being in their forties, fifties, all the way up to eighties figuring out, oh, I'm an introvert, you know? So yeah, the early awareness, that's definitely something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. 
And you're right. I I talk a lot on stages now about introversion, especially in the meetings and events industry. And I continually have people come up to me after to say, I didn't even realize I was an introvert. And, and these are people my age, right? Like in their 40s and 50s. But no one has really spelled it out. What is an introvert? How does it manifest in your life? Before our generation, it was simply a label. And now I think we have the opportunity to kind of break down that label and, and put some context around it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. You're, you know, you've been in the meeting and events industry for a long time. And I, we're, I'm just going to ask you one question because I know we could probably do a whole show on this. But <laughs> how can we make meetings, events, conferences more introvert friendly? Yes, thank you. And and that is kind of one of my missions is to help planners, whether they're introverted or extroverted, create space for us. But uh, conferences, I guess, you know, historically have just been these, this, this buzz. And you go from, you know, the keynote session, and you go right into a breakout room. And then as soon as that breakout is over, you're in the coffee break foyer. And all of a sudden, it is 10pm at night, and you haven't even had time to breathe or refill your teacup. I would love to see meeting planners just build more white space in their programming so that when an introvert does attend a breakout session, there's this blank block of time in the program where that we can just sit and digest what's happening. Now, during that block of programming, you can create other things for the extroverts that want to keep networking and do what it is that they do best. But us introverts, finding that space and that time to just kind of, again, that deep thinking and finding the biggest takeaways from these conferences is going to be key. You know, adult learning, it's it's hard to learn as adults. It is more difficult to retain information. And so building those white spaces and building those white places where people can sit alone or in a small group with a cup of coffee and kind of digest what just happened, I think will pull more ROI out of those individuals when the conference event is over, when the meeting is over. The other big thing that I that stresses me to no end, David, is a lot of these conferences and events have these large networking receptions. You know, whether it's 100, 200, or 2,000 people, we're all crammed into this room. The music is loud. And I don't know about you, but I completely collapse. It's so loud. I can't have conversation. So redesigning those large networking events to have quieter corners or to create seating for two to three people so that people like us can kind of escape the big boom of the room and have those deep one-on-one conversations that we crave versus trying to shout in, in amongst, you know, the 2000 people at a rock concert. Yeah. So that's definitely a couple of really good points is we do like deep conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I want deep conversations. Mm-hmm. I love loud music, but not at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, right. if I'm talking to someone, especially someone I've never met and I'm trying to connect to get to know them and there's loud music, it's so hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. And sadly, that's kind of the, I suppose, the format 
that we've had for meetings and events, at least when I started my career, not much has changed. And that was 25 years ago. And I am starting to see some meeting planners take steps to create more inclusive environments for those that of us that are introverted, those of us that have other neurodivergencies. So we are seeing the industry change. I, I would love to see more conversation in the meetings and events industry around ender, energy temperaments. But the fact that conversation has started around neurodivergency is very encouraging because we're finally starting to recognize that we are not all cut with the same cookie cutter, that we all are different. We learn differently, we network differently, and we form professional relationships differently. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all very natural. And not one, you know, introvert, extrovert, all the other ways we differ. It's not, none of them are good or bad. It's just, they're different and we have to embrace them. And yeah, it's not a cookie cutter approach. That's for sure. Yeah. So when did you get into personal branding, especially for introverts? And how is that different for introverts? I've read a lot of your LinkedIn posts and posts on your blog, and you've got some great content out there. So tell us a little bit about when did you start doing that? And why did you specialize in introverts? Yeah, well, I started my personal brand, I guess about 16, 17 years ago, when my job in the industry took a slight pivot. And for the first time, I was kind of forced to have to do some sales. And, and I'll, and I'll save, save your audience the story of how stressful do, learning how to do sales was. But it was really in those moments that I figured I have to do sales differently. I cannot do sales the way that you see those car salesmen and those other big successful salespeople do it, you know, always be closing, get on the phone, do one more phone call. Man, that made me sick to my stomach. So I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to try and build my business a little bit differently. Instead of pushing out sales messages, I'm going to try and attract them to me. And the best way I can do that is just by being authentic and maybe amplifying some things about my personal brand. So that's where my personal brand started. And then as I saw my business grow, my career started to grow, I realized, huh, you know what, there's something to be said about this method of doing sales. And of course, I did it as an introvert. And what I then when when I really put two and two together was really only in the past five years where I realized personal branding and introversion is like peanut butter and jam. That is kind of one of the best ways for an introvert to create community without having to outwardly network and create community. Because that's one thing that we're always going to struggle with is that small talk, right? We love those deep conversations, David, but in order to get to a deep conversation, there's a crap ton of small talk that has to take place. But when an introvert has a personal brand, that ice is broken. And so I often now can go into a networking room and strangers will come up to me already knowing about me. And that breaks that small talk. And now maybe we can just skip a couple of those steps and get to a bigger conversation. And so that's what I've really loved about my brand is it's actually given me confidence to go into a networking room and the conversations are just a bit more natural because they already know a little bit about me. It's better if I can already know a little bit about them 
And that's where LinkedIn comes in. And I know we're going to talk about LinkedIn here, but for us introverts, tools like LinkedIn and tools like having a personal brand just gets us to that deep conversation so much quicker. And wow, does it has it ever helped my energy level in those networking environments? Yeah, that's sounds great. Because even when you're just talking about doing the cold sales calls, I was like, I'm not doing that, but it it's making me sick too. <laughs> so, I know, right? <laughs> so I've got to do it differently. So yeah. just uh, how, what what all goes into making a personal brand? Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've created a framework now. Fast forward 17 years, I have created a framework. And the framework really has five steps in it. And the first one is really to, to define the goals. So why is it that you want to create a personal brand? For me, for creating a personal brand, my goal was to attract clients. That's all I wanted to do was I wanted to do sales differently and I wanted to attract clients. Once you define your goals, then you're actually going to design your brand. And what that means, it's not about logos and fonts and colors, but it is about what is it that I want the world to know about me on a professional level? Because there's a lot of things that it can know about me, but I can't tell every story. I have to narrow down the stories. And so the stories I tell now and the things about my brand I share now are actually quite different than the things I shared about my brand when it first started. So now you're right, David, a lot about my brand is the fact that I'm an introvert, but I haven't always been a personal brand about introverts. I've been a personal brand about my company, personal brand about creating connection in other ways. So designing your brand is the second thing you want to do. Then the third thing you want to do is determine where you're going to hang out, determine your platforms. And for me, LinkedIn was the logical fit. For other professionals, it could be Instagram. It could be Facebook. For the type of brand that I want to build, LinkedIn is the best place for me. So that's my platform. I also have a blog, not a podcast. So the blog is my platform. David, your platform is a podcast. Once you determine where you're going to hang out, now you got to start creating the content. So obviously, I create a lot of content for LinkedIn. I do a lot of writing for my blog. David, your content is what we're doing right now, this back and forth, this conversation. And then the final step of personal branding, it's, it's probably, in my opinion, the most important step. But after you've gone through those four decisions, you need to take care of your community. And you need to discover who is in your community. And you do that through your podcast. You're attracting community members all the time, David. But we can't forget that at the end of the day, everything we're doing about our brand, it's about another person. So let's make sure that we're taking care of them in the end. So that's it. Those are the five decisions I think every brand should go through to get to a robust and holistic brand. All right. And elaborate a little bit more, like what? how is LinkedIn different from some of the other social media platforms? Well, yeah, great question. So obviously LinkedIn is still considered that a top pref- professional social media platform. So for B2B business people, it's probably the best way to hang out. And, and, and that is the thing with LinkedIn is it's moved from being a job search platform into that thought leadership platform. And thought leadership is really just a fancy schmancy way of saying personal brand. So it has moved from being a place we only go when we have to either find a job or post a job 
to a place where we can build professional community all day, every day, using our brands, using our thought leadership. And for those of of us who are in professions, which is probably most of us, LinkedIn is a great place to kind of break that proverbial professional ice where you can learn more about the person that you're working with or working for or want to work with or for. And you can have conversations even before the conversation starts. So LinkedIn, while all social media has given us access to people that we never had access before social media. We're able to make those connections with influencers, with decision makers, with people we never can get through the gatekeeper to reach when it was all just done by the telephone. So that's what I really love about LinkedIn. Again, it's for me, it's the most comfortable wheelhouse, but there's other platforms that LinkedIn's can, or that introverts can thrive on as well. But yeah, LinkedIn's is my jam. Yeah. Do you have any general guidelines about posting? Like how often? I guess it'll probably vary by your purpose and things. Yeah, well, you're right. And and you're right. This could be a completely new episode, David, because there's a lot about LinkedIn, like the algorithm and how it works that we could dive deep into. But really, the algorithm on LinkedIn loves it if you post once a day, or even a little bit less. If you post more than once a day, the algorithm really struggles to figure out what it is you want to be showcased to your community and put on the home feed. So once a day or less is the best way to kind of thrive on LinkedIn. And then how do you use it to network with other people? Maybe is there some do's and don'ts that you have for that? Yeah, well, again, you know, going back to how we kind of conduct sales, a lot of people are using LinkedIn to try and do their sales, which is sadly a missed opportunity because people want to be treated as people, not as potential sales targets. So it really is the platform where you can build relationships, build trust, showcase your credibility, no doubt, but it's not the place to do sales. As soon as the conversation starts to move towards sales, which is a goal for a lot of people, myself included, but when that conversation starts to move towards sales, that's actually when you should take the conversation off of LinkedIn. That's when you should go back to the email, to the telephone, to the Zoom meetings to actually talk about sales. LinkedIn is where you want to build the relationship and you want to nurture your community and learn more about them and talk less about ourselves. And again, I think that's where or why introverts can really thrive on LinkedIn is because a lot of times introverts, more so than our extroverted friends, we don't like talking about ourselves. So we can pick up on those cues on LinkedIn and then create some really powerful connections because we actually took the time to listen in on the conversations that are happening on the platform. Does that help, David? Yeah, absolutely. I know if someone asks to connect with me and immediately I get, you know, message in my inbox that, hey, you know, <laughs> do, do you need help with this? It's it's definitely, I'm probably not going to respond to that, you know. Exactly. It's, it's, I want to connect with them on similar interests, things like that. It's so true. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I love about LinkedIn is most people get the unspoken rule. And for those people that are still learning the ins and outs of the platform, it's our responsibility to kind of say to them, hey, you know what? 
that's this isn't the platform for you to to sell me on your product or service but tell me what you did on the weekend or what kind of content you like to see <laughs> yeah 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 so you you mentioned this briefly today and, and you write about you know how just important it is to be your authentic self so whether it's linkedin or elsewhere how do you show up authentically as an introvert yeah, well, and I think the first step is realizing that you are an introvert, right? And we're not trying to be or pretend to be someone that we're not. But authenticity really comes down to the stories that we tell. And again, whether you use LinkedIn or another social media platform, relaying a story that's kind of rooted in the the learning implications and how that story is going to help the listener or the reader I think is a great way to be authentic. And I use this example all the time as a story rooted in authenticity. And one that we can all relate to is when we were learning how to ride a bike as a kid, and we went through all of those emotions, not wanting to disappoint our parents and wanting to succeed, but we kept on, you know, stumbling and falling and tripping and over and over again until we finally mastered the skill And that now as an adult is a lesson in resilience and overcoming failure and all of those, you know, beautiful things bottled up into that story. But the the, the root of it is I had to go through that story to get to all of these lessons at the end. And those are the kinds of authentic stories that we're looking for on really any social media platform is we're trying to see ourselves in the other person's story as well. We're trying to become one of the characters in the story. So I don't know if that helps with that authenticity piece, but it surely it certainly if you can create if you can tell a story that you know other people are relating to, they're going to begin to trust you. They're going to be able to see themselves in the story and that creates an incredible connection. Yeah, absolutely. So uh one of the things that you're working on now is the brand. Tell us about the Brand Plan Academy. Yes. So, well, being in the meetings and events industry, our industry got hit quite hard with the pandemic, which was now almost four years ago now. So it was kind of that opportunity where I could take a pause from being in the meetings and events industry and work on another project. And it became crystal clear that the project I wanted to work on was to create a resource for people on how to build their personal brands. So I created Brand Plan Academy. It's a digital course that takes you through those five decisions that I talked about earlier. And it really is meant to be a resource to help someone who's never built a brand before or someone who wants to hone in a bit on their messaging and help them get there. I know when I started my brand, I made a lot of decisions that weren't the right decision, but I was at least in motion. And now I'm trying to help people kind of avoid some of the mistakes that I made when I created my brand and and kind of show the power of a brand. Even though my industry was completely wiped out with the pandemic, my brand grew. And the opportunities outside of my industry started to grow. Simple things like this, David, I've done a lot of podcasts and video shows, but that's all because I had a brand. And so kind of showing the power of the brand and putting people on the right path to create their own brand. That's what I do with Brand Plan Academy. Awesome. That sounds great. So Leanne, we've talked about a lot of things. We've had a great conversation. It's gone by pretty quickly. Is there anything else you want to share? Uh... Yeah, I think for introverts, I think my biggest, what I want to leave with them to kind of encourage them with is, 
even though you're an introvert, it doesn't mean you don't have anything to say and don't have a story to tell. And so I want to encourage anyone who identifies as an introvert to step out and start to tell that story. That's kind of the first step in building your brand. It's that first step in breaking that networking ice. And you might be a bit tired after telling that story, but I think it saves our energy when we've done that, especially in a networking session or a networking situation. So you can create a lot of impact without creating a lot of noise as an introvert. And I think that's our superpower. Yeah, I love that. What's what's your phrase? It's create, create impact, impact not-, not noise. Yeah, I, I saw that on LinkedIn. I, I just, I love that. Okay. <laughs> So Leanne, where can people find out more about your great work or or get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. So obviously I hang out a lot on LinkedIn. Come and connect with me on the platform. I also have a website over at leannecalderwood.com and there you can learn more about obviously personal branding and LinkedIn. And there's a few free resources that people can download to learn a little bit more about their personal branding style and to get them back on the LinkedIn platform. All right. I will add things to the show notes. So again, thank you, Leanne. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to further connecting with you. Reach out at david at quietandstrong.com or check out the quietandstrong.com website, which includes blog posts and links to social media channels. Send me topics or guests you would like to see on the show. If you're interested in getting to know yourself better, There's now a free TypeFinder personality assessment on the Quiet and Strong website. This free assessment will give you a brief report, including the four-letter Myers-Briggs code. And you can also have the option of purchasing the full report if you'd like to learn more. I'll add a link to the show notes. So many great things about being an introvert, and we need those to be understood. Get to know your introverted strengths and needs and be strong. (music) 